Hey Bliss Seekers, and welcome to your online home away from home. A place where we marry ancient wisdom and modern science, so we dispel the woo-woo of spirituality to help you find authentic health, balance, and bliss. I'm your host, Ari, a specialist registered dietitian, certified intuitive eating counselor, embodiment coach, and modern mystic. I've trained with the world's leading experts in psychology, mindfulness, and behavior change. And I am a recovered perfectionist, overachiever, and self-development junkie on a mission to help you stop being your own worst critic, to finally step into your authenticity, and return to wholeness through mind, body, and spirit integration. This is a place where imperfection is celebrated. So grab a cup of cacao, coffee, matcha, or whatever you fancy, and inhale deeply through your nose and out your mouth, and get ready to live in alignment. You're listening to Align with Ari. Hello, and welcome back to Align with Ari, the podcast where we marry ancient wisdom and modern science so you can find authentic health, fulfillment, and bliss. I'm your host, I'm Ari, and today I'm in conversation with Michael Stone, the founder of Neurodynamic Breathwork. Now, This is a topic I love to explore and Michael just went into some really great details on the science, which really helps us make sense of why breath matters. Now, this is something that is so subtle, right? We breathe every single day. I feel like it's definitely not something we have to think about very much. Thankfully, we just, you know, the body just does its thing and it just knows what it's doing. But what's interesting is how tightly and how intricately woven the relationship is between mind and body through breath. Breath is that thing that connects mind and body. It's that subtle yet so powerful. And sometimes you might notice, right? If you're thinking really anxious thoughts, if you're feeling really anxious, if you notice your breath and what it's doing, it's probably really shallow, really quick, Whereas if we think about like a sleeping state or like a very relaxed state, imagine being by the beach, by the water or wherever you find yourself in a more relaxed state, your breath tends to be deeper, more slow, slower tempo, more depth. And so our breath is a really great indicator of how we're doing mentally, but equally a really great tool that has direct impact on our mind, right? So thoughts and breath follow one another. If we control one, we can control the other. So it's really, really fascinating. Now, you'll hear me mention holotropic breath work in today's episode. So I just wanted to give a little introduction before we dive into neurodynamic breath work, as this is a modality that Michael has created himself and it's based on his extensive training in holotropic breathwork prior to this and his mission has been to make breathing and kind of this therapeutic use of breath 
more accessible to the world, which is incredible. So let me tell you a bit about Michael before we dive in. So he is a chemical engineer and has an MBA in training, and he's an inventor of the new type of breathwork called neurodynamic breathwork. He's also the co-founder of the Train Your Brain Master Your Life workshop and certified holotropic breathwork facilitator and founder of Holotropic Breathwork LA. He was born and currently resides in Los Angeles, California, and he is a very well-known international speaker who has participated in numerous conferences and summits alongside some major names in the game that you might know, Dr. Gabor Mate, Joe Dispenza, Tony Robbins, Caroline Miss, Dr. Stephen Porges, who is great, who does a lot of work in the polyvagal theory, as you may know, Dr. Peter Living, lots of work in somatic experiencing, Jock Cornfield, John Kabat-Zinn, key researchers in mindfulness, Dan Siegel, and others. These are all incredible people that Michael has stood alongside, which is just so telling to the work that he does. Now, after spending the first 35 years of his life following a path that was imprinted on him through cultural and family conditioning, he finally stepped into his own creative potential and quit his upper management job in a multi-billion dollar pharmaceutical company to become an entrepreneur. So he decided to become a facilitator of holotropic breathwork in 2009, where he then founded Holotropic Breathwork LA to introduce in-person workshops. He has worked with over 5,000 people over the last decade doing this. And eventually in 2016, during one of his own breathwork sessions is when he received a download that it was his life mission to bring breathwork to the world in a way that was accessible and inexpensive so that as many people as possible could receive the benefits of this incredible modality. So he decided to focus, switch gears and focus on creating online sessions where he now provides sessions four to five times every single week with this cutting edge new type of breath work, which he created. And he has now worked with over 45,000 breathers online who live in over 120 different countries. Now, I don't know about you, but this is absolutely incredible. I cannot wait for you to hear more from Michael and his expertise. And he even is so kind that he actually leads us through a guided breathing at the end of today's episode. So do be sure to save this if you want to come back to it at a later time. If now you're kind of multitasking, you're in the car driving, if you're doing the dishes or getting ready for the workday, wherever you are, be sure to save this one because this is definitely a great practical episode at the end that you won't want to miss. Now, He also, so Michael also has some great resources on his website, which is breathworkonline.com. And there you can access access a free online workshop. And then you'll get, once you do that, you actually get 21 days free of these breathing workshops. So he's really keen to really share this modality with the world. And I actually got to partake in one of the longer sessions with him a couple of months back as we were planning to have a chat. And let me tell you, 
uh, yeah, you'll hear my experience in today's episode, but it was really, really cool. And this is really groundbreaking stuff. The breath is such a powerful tool. So let me tell you a bit about the research and where holotropic breath work came from, which is what inspired this new modality that Michael has now created. So holotropic breathing is now you might be hearing more and more about it, but really it was developed by two psychiatrists, Stanislav, I can never pronounce his name, and Christina Groff. So they're a married couple, and this was developed in the 70s to achieve, with the aim to achieve altered states of consciousness without the use of drugs, right? So this was during the time where LSD became illegal, so they wanted to find, and they were actually utilizing LSD for therapeutic benefits, and so once that was made illegal, they wanted to find ways to access these altered states of consciousness as a potential therapeutic tool. So this type of breath work involves controlling and quickening the breathing to influence your mental, emotional, and physical states. It's also been derived from spiritual framework, but it's not necessarily, you don't have to necessarily be spiritual, but it is a very spiritual practice in nature in terms of where it comes from. And if you think about it, there are many different breathing modalities that stem from ancient wisdom. You know, one of them that I can think about comes from, you know, the yogic traditions in thousands and thousands of years ago. It was in India, what they call pranayama in Sanskrit. And pranayama is effectively translated to the exercising the breath or controlled breath, right? Because when you control breath, you control mind, and then you're able to then ascend. So really powerful tool there. So just a little background on holotropic breath. The Groffs were trained in Freudian psychoanalytic therapy and believed the process of deep self-exploration brought on by these altered states bring healing. So this is why they were so keen to bring it forward. So I hope this has you intrigued. I can't wait for you to listen to this episode. We dive into loads of different topics, including what is neurodynamic breathwork, the origins of breathwork and how it can be used as a form of therapy, the benefits and outcomes of breathwork, breathing and trance states. We also talk about what to expect when doing a therapeutic breathwork session, right? Who is it actually for? Breathwork versus hyperventilation, is, which is a common question, and the importance of sound and music in the journey. This was so powerful. So you'll hear in the guided exercise, the music that is used was so profound. I actually have found myself listening to it and trying to do these types of breathing outside of this episode and wow that music is seriously gets you in a trance state it's incredible <laughs> so i will i do have the composer here in the show notes for you to access if you fancy just listening in your own time and of course we wrap up with a guided breathing practice so without further ado here is michael stone hello michael and welcome to the align with ari podcast it is so good to have you <laughs> Well, thank you for inviting me. 
Yes, it is such a pleasure. I know we spoke at the end of last year, actually speaking about the neurodynamic breath work training that you provide, as I was so keen to learn more from you. I've been doing research on breath work for quite some time, trying to find the best approach. And there's so much out there. So it can be quite overwhelming to kind of do the research and find what's going to be most suitable. And as my listeners very well know, I'm a huge proponent to breath work. I think there's so many benefits. So we'll dive into that today. It beautiful embodiment practice, coming back to the body, reconnecting, right? So I'm so grateful to have you here to explore the depth of this science, this therapeutic modality, and to hear a bit more about your background and what led you to become a practitioner and a leader in this field. Awesome. (laughs) So before we dive in, I always like to start my podcast episodes with asking you what lights your soul up on fire? Mm, Very good question. (laughs) (laughs) And For me, pretty much my entire life, it's been searching for and finding like what I can contribute to the world. You know, what can I give? I've always gotten, as I was growing up, I had a great childhood. I was always receiving, like my parents took care of me. They went out to work so I could, you know, grow up well. You know, I got to go to college. I was just kind of always receiving. Then at a certain point, I'm saying, okay, this is awesome. This is amazing. Now it's time for me to give back. And what I found is the more you give, the more you get. And But it starts with contributing, not taking. So it was really about kind of going on this life search for what is it, what is my unique ability that I can contribute to the world? How do I do it? And that's what lights me on fire. And ultimately, I found it to be breath work, but that's... Yeah. Hey, amazing. You're doing it. That's fantastic. That's beautiful. And you're right. There's such an energy exchange, right? The energetics of giving and receiving and being in that homeostasis and finding that equilibrium. And you start magnetizing more opportunities when you start giving and you're really in your life purpose, right? So that's incredible that you were able to find that and you get to share it with us today. <laughs> and you know, not only that, but it's like when I'm really in tune with my life purpose, I don't feel tired. I don't feel it's like I always feel really passionate about getting up and and doing my work, even if it's long hours versus earlier in my life when I wasn't like that, I was always tired. Mm, Yes, that resonates for sure. I remember the days when it was really hard to get out of bed. And then, you know, you turn the corner and you find that purpose and you just, yes, makes every day so much more beautiful, brighter. Yeah. Yeah, Yay. Oh, I'm happy for you. So then what allows you to live in alignment continuously, right? So you found your life purpose in addition to that. So how do you stay in alignment thinking mind, body, soul? Part of what breathwork does is it quiets the ego mind and allows people to get in touch with what I call their inner guiding intelligence. Some people see it as connection to source or inner wisdom, higher self or whatever. And once you start practicing it on a regular basis, like a yoga or whatever, you start to bring that back into your life, where on an everyday basis, just by taking some time out, being quiet, it's much easier to connect to this inner guidance. And that's how I stay in alignment by, you know, there are times when I know I've got programming that comes up from childhood about various things, which I'm not necessarily in alignment with, but unless you're aware of it, it kind of runs your life, like being liked. Yeah. You know, where I used to twist myself around so that people would like me. Mm. And whereas now I just tune into my inner guidance and say, okay, what wants to happen? What's in tune with my life purpose, with which what I really want to contribute. And many times it means not being liked. 
but I'm okay with that. So it's really about staying like in tune with this amazing inner wisdom that I have, but everybody has, and staying consistent with that. Mm, that's medicine. You know, that's beautiful. And, mm-hmm. and then part of it is languaging. You know, I used to language to myself, well, I should do this. I have to do this. I don't say that anymore. It's like, I choose to do this. I get to do this because I'm taking responsibility for seeing what's I'm aligned with it and then choosing it versus being in a place of victim victim mentality where I have to do this. And that makes all the difference. So for me. Yes. Wow. Yes, absolutely. That's been so helpful for some of the medicine I've had to take as well. I can definitely Mm -hmm. resonate with the, for me, the sentiment was the not being good enough, right? It's almost that kind of constantly you have that hamster wheel that's constantly going, like you said, that ego that's searching for that validation external rather than going inward and actually checking in with, well, do I like myself and how can I work on that? Should it not be an answer? Yeah, yes, right? So absolutely that resonates very much with part of my journey and breathwork has been a part of it. So there you go. <laughs> there are many modalities, but equally that's so important to come back to your core, your center. That's lovely. Yeah, and choice, the element of choice, I will add, because that's something I preach quite a lot. So I'm grateful you mentioned is that reclaiming your power, right? Rather than giving it away. It's like, what do I choose my day and my life to look like? Wow. Mm. Yes. Thank you. Exactly. Yeah. Wonderful. So you did your training with the Groffs, right? So the yes. Groffs are the founders of holotropic breathwork, which is one of the most scientifically kind of researched, looked at breathwork. So it really stems from psychotherapy. In addition to kind of, it started really at the late eighties where they started LSD was no longer allowed and they wanted to find a way to help people move to that higher consciousness, right? In a way that would be very therapeutic. And they developed this form of breath, holotropic meaning moving towards wholeness, right? So that's something that I'm really passionate about. And I am finding your work and making it more accessible was actually something that really inspired me. So I'm wondering if you can talk a bit more about holotropic breath work and then moving into what led to the development of neurodynamic breath work. And how that came to be. Yeah, sure. So my original pathway into breathwork actually was through, at one point in my life, I ended up going down to Peru. And even though I was there for a completely different reason, I ended up doing an ayahuasca journey. And it was really the first time in my life when I was in that journey where I felt safe in the world. I'd always felt like I have to protect myself on a certain level, but I never really knew why. It was like some childhood conditioning that I ultimately did come into contact with later, and I did figure out the reason why. But when I had that experience in Peru and I came back, I'm going, okay, if I can have this kind of an experience with a substance, the receptors are there in my brain, so there must be other ways to access that kind of state without a substance. And so that's ultimately what put me on a search. I came up with breath work and then I started investigating different kinds of breath work. And what I found was that holotropic breath work was the most scientifically developed. Most of them were just kind of like, oh, I downloaded this from the universe. And I'm going, ah, you know, it's like I'm a science background engineering and a bit of neuroscience and stuff. So if there wasn't some science behind it at that point, I wasn't really interested. So I said, okay, I'll try it. And so I tried out a holotropic breath work session and as you said, Dr. Stan Groff developed it 
through his own experiences when he was doing LSD psychotherapy back when it was legal and they were trying to find out what the benefits were. And then when it was made illegal, he did his own research on how to access these, he called it like the healing power of these non-ordinary states of consciousness without a substance. And he studied what traditional societies had done. He, he studied modern consciousness theory. And so ultimately he came up with this holotropic breathwork structure where in a one-day workshop, people could access those same states. And so I had my first session, had an amazing experience. I'm going, okay, this is for me. <laughs> oh, and at a certain point, I'm going, okay, I'm having these amazing experiences. I want to be able to contribute this to other people in my world too. So I went through their three-year facilitator training program and where you're, you're like flying here and <laughs> flying like a there, on flying its own. Here to take <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's a very intense program. And then ultimately I started facilitating breathwork sessions in Los Angeles, which is where I live. And so I did that for almost a decade. And again, seeing these amazing results that people were getting. But at a certain point, what I saw was that part of my mission in life was to allow people to really experience this breathwork. So I really felt like as Einstein says, like you can't resolve an issue from the same consciousness that it was created from. And that with the state of the world right now and what's going on, that breathwork could really make a difference in allowing people to see things from a different perspective, to see their connectedness more to the planet, to other people, you know, where they wouldn't go out and go to war and kill people and stuff like that. But, you know, there has to be a certain kind of critical mass of people that are at, at in this kind of a different state of consciousness in order to really have make a difference. And holotropic breathwork, you have to do it in person. You need one trained facilitator for each 10 people. It's an all-day workshop, 12 hours, because it's three-hour breathing sessions, and you, you work with a partner. So it's a fairly it intense, complicated... Sounds intense. <laughs> yeah. A and commitment, so that's for sure. It's an all-day commitment. People have to fly yeah. into your city. And wow. so it's, you know, not only do you have to be able to take out at least a day out of your life, but it's fairly expensive because you have to you know, rent a big venue and things like that. So what I saw was that only really a tiny sliver of the population could really do holotropic breath work. And then ultimately when I was looking at, okay, how can I make this more accessible? It became very clear to me that the only way to do it was to do it online. And But I didn't even know if it would work online because in holotropic breath work, you can't do it online. They say you right. have to do it in person. So, right. so I said, okay, the only way I'm going to find out is to try it out. And I had a lot of resistance to doing, to like, in essence, starting an online business. And so again, you know, one of the things you get in breathwork is you start to become aware of this inner dialogue that many times holds you back from doing things. Mm -hmm. And many times it's a dialogue just from your childhood that's not even relevant anymore, but it's still kind of running your life. And so when I started to look inside, I was seeing all these kind of thinking patterns come up, like, you're in your 60s. You can't start an online business. That's for kids. Are you kidding me? You don't know anything about doing anything online. <laughs> and then there was this other thought pattern. It's like, you don't even like social media. You're going to have to get out there and do social <laughs> media and do this. And it was true. It's like my first many years ago when I first heard about Facebook, I'd say, okay, I'll give it a try. So I started up a Facebook account and I'm starting to look at what are people posting. And it's okay, this is just all about like pictures of food and their dogs and their and cats. Dogs. <laughs> You know, yeah. Why am I interested in this? So, so I did have a resistance to social media. And even with like having a, a cell phone, it's like, I don't want people to bother me when I'm in my car. It's like, leave me alone, you know? So 
Yeah. I didn't even have a cell phone. So I had to really see that and see that that was old conditioning. And that that was something that didn't have to run my life and didn't have to hold me back from really moving towards what I considered my life mission at that point. So I pushed through all of that and I started testing with people that I knew who had already done breath work and some people who didn't for six months. And I found that it totally worked online. And it's really a question of being able to learn how to create a safe space for people while they're not in your presence, while they're just kind of in your energetic field online when they're laying in bed or laying on their floor and not all in the same room together. Right. So it was just a learning process, you know, just like anything else is. And so after six months, I was ready to kind of launch and see what happened. And that was almost, it's like four and a half, five years ago now. And yeah. now there's 65,000 people on the platform and we do five live sessions every week. Incredible. And from 120 different countries. So, and most of it's just people sharing with their friends because they get such good results. And so it's been an amazing journey. And, Incredible. and also for me and getting beyond my own thinking patterns, I'm on mm. social media all the time. I've got my iPhone that I'm on all the time. <laughs> and I've totally like let that go. Right. Yeah. Wow. What a catharsis. And so beautiful that you've been, you, you were able to surpass that and continue and follow your life mission. Right. I think yeah. it could be so hard. It takes a lot of courage to do that. So I'm glad you did that we're here sitting here now and you're able to teach us, right? You are a teacher, a wisdom keeper, really effectively. This is such important wisdom that needs to be shared with the world. And I think the world is moving in that direction. And actually it's quite avant-garde being able to be online now. It's everything is online. So you were kind of actually ahead of the times, at the, <laughs> right? Well, when I first went online, the technology was barely to the place where you could share music, high quality music to large numbers of people. So mm -hmm. it was really something that if I, a few years before, wouldn't have been able to do. Yeah. So, so the timing was perfect. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. So tell us, I would love to know more, Michael, about the state. So you did mention, you know, the different states and, you know, you loved it. You felt the experience and that kind of got you instantly. You knew this is, this is what I want to do. Can you touch on some of those states that people, you know, what the experience might be like for people who start breathwork or who practice breathwork on a regular basis? What could that look like? I'm sure it's individual, you know, quite unique for every single person, but what are some of the things you've heard and you've experienced? It is unique for each person, but there are also certain categories of experiences that everybody has, usually has at one point or another. And in essence, what's happening is there's certain things that are going on inside of your body, inside of your brain that, that support the quieting of the little chit-chat ego mind and that allow you to access this, what I call inner guiding intelligence, these kind of deeper parts of your psyche that you don't normally have access to. And that part of your brain will bring you the experience that you're ready to have. So it's an incredibly important piece of neurodynamic breath work in that it's about trust and surrender. It's not like your ego mind is trying to figure out what experience you need. It's more about letting go. And that's not something that people are normally trained to do in life. It's because I was going to say, what about, happens if you don't let go? <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> because it's I'm more like keeping control. It's yeah. like everybody wants to keep, you know, they at least have the illusion of control in their life. Yes. So it takes a bit of a shift in how people are. So it is a bit of a practice. Surrender is, it may not happen in the first session to get to completely that state. But as you do more breath work, you get better and better in just kind of being with what's happening in the moment, being present with what's happening and turning the experience over to this inner guidance. Right. And the right. types of experiences that people have are in like several categories. The first is, you know, sometimes people move around a lot 
when they're releasing stuff out of their body. And three of the keys to neurodynamic breath work to release are one is if an emotion comes up, allowing it to come up and process it. If movement wants to happen, letting your body move. And if sounds want to come up, letting the sounds release. And sounds and movement are your body's most efficient way of releasing stress and tension. And every time you suppress an emotion into your body, there was always this kind of bioenergetic block that's attached. So the first experiences for many people are very physical, sensory experiences, you know, where they get these releases, where they might get tensions in their bodies and then releasing and then, or temperature changes or numbness and release where their body's releasing in whatever way is most effective for it. So that's one type of experience. Another type of experience is a visual experience where I get those about once every three or four times and where people might see themselves, let's say in a past life where certain things are happening, where they see we're carried over to this life. At least you know, that's how they see it in their experience. Sometimes they see like the kind of experience I had with ayahuasca the first time I tried it, where you're kind of dissolved into the universe and just a part of everything or an experience of more self-love and seeing, you know, just how an amazing person that you are. And you really have to first love yourself before you can love anybody else. It always starts with yourself. And sometimes people have experiences where, for instance, visually they go back into childhood experiences. We call them biographical experiences where they may see like trauma that happened in their childhood or, but they see it from a different perspective where they see it in a more empowering way where, okay, you know, what they learned from it or what the thing that happened where they can actually take that into their current life versus feeling like a total victim of whatever that experience was. And so also people can sometimes have what we call rebirthing experiences where they experience part or all of their birth process. And your birth process is the most traumatic thing that'll ever happen to you. It's like a fight for life. And you're going from a water being to an air being where you're completely shifting your experience in the universe. So many times there's kind of trauma stuck in your body for that. And so you Mm re-experience that in a way where you can release it. So yeah, those are some of the more it's so um, fascinating that you just mentioned um, that because I actually just recently had a lecture on this <laughs> where I'm studying, I'm doing this master's in learning the science of, of spirituality. And we talked about that, the birthing experience and that being very much linked to perhaps the development of, of certain, you know, psychological ailments, we'll call them in, in later in life, depending on that, you know, there's a strong link, even in the population I work with in eating disorders, it's, we know there's a tight correlation between birth birthing trauma and the development of an eating disorder, which is so fascinating that you mentioned that. So being able to revisit that and perhaps be that fly on the wall, that observer and seeing it from a different perspective sounds immensely therapeutic. And I wonder, so of course, naturally, there is this thing. So healing happens in the present moment, right? There's the past lives as well as the past in this present lifetime that we want to consider, but we have to be in the present moment. And so my understanding is that breathwork also brings you here present where you can then do the active healing, right? And and take that ownership again over whatever it is that did happen to you in the past. And my question is, so how do you then, let's say this comes up, you had this experience, how do we then integrate? Because integration is such an important part of then reprogramming so that then you do move forward with new sense of self or being and, and kind of agency. Right. And first of all, one of the things that you said that was interesting was about past and present and future. So I just want to talk a moment about that. And also that when people have an experience, like let's say they have a past life experience, 
It may have been really a past life experience, or it may have been the way that their psyche thought that they could like absorb the experience the best. You know, so anyway, just wanted to mention that. And yeah, also absolutely. the interesting part about past, present, and future is that if you study how memory works and how perception works, you know, most people think, for instance, with memory, that when something happens in your past, you kind of take a video of it. And then whenever you you kind of bring it to memory, you bring the video back and that's exactly what happened. And that's just not how the brain works. Okay. Basically, every time you bring it back and you remember it, the story shifts based on your current worldview. Mm-hmm. You know, so your past, in essence, you don't really know exactly what happened in your past because like your brain has shifted the story so many times. And just an example, they they did a study of, they asked like 100 people what they would do in certain end-of-life situations. Like if they were on a respirator, would they want to stay alive or not stay alive? And they asked the same people that a year later. And a significant percentage, you know, changed their answers, which was, you know, that's kind of normal. But the interesting thing was that a large number of those people insisted like their life depended on it, that they'd answered the same way the year before. Hmm. So clearly they just changed their worldview and then their brain had shifted their memory of, of how they'd answered a year before. Yes, that makes so, sense. I can think of moments when I remember things <laughs> differently and, so, you know, trying to recollect a story or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So time doesn't really go from the past to the present to the future. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, it goes from the present to the past and also the present. Like it all comes right. back into the present because in the present, yeah. you can reframe the experiences from your past. So they have different meaning to you and they impact you differently. Right. Which is empowering, which is totally empowering. That's where you do the work. I mean, what time really? No, I'm kidding. That's another conversation altogether. But but absolutely, I think that's such an important point to mention, Michael. So thank you for clarifying that. So, and I know we're going to be doing a little taster today. So I'm really keen that you're going to be able to help, you know, get us to just a little taste in terms of really settling into the body. So I appreciate we can't do a whole hour together, but you do have resources on your website. So we will definitely share that with everybody listening and you'll be able to have a a full session, which, which I have done. And I have to go back to, you know, the different experiences you mentioned for me, it was very visual at the time I did that, the workshop with you. It's just a whole bunch of colors. I didn't know what it meant. And actually I did have that question for you then. Let's say you have amnesia because some people do this type of, you know, experience and they might not remember. And I wonder, is that because the psyche is not ready to show you or is there a protective mechanism to amnesia or is the work still happening really effectively if you do not remember what that experience is during your workshop? The work's still happening. You don't have to remember it because this is more of an internal process in your inner world that's happening. So your kind of ego conscious mind isn't really doing the work. So whether you remember it or don't remember it, isn't that relevant? And sometimes people do, sometimes people don't. Like the bottom line is, and again, this is all about trust and surrender. If you need to remember it, if it's important that you remember it, you will remember it. So again, this is all about letting go. And your ego mind is always going to be asking those questions. Or like a lot of people will say, oh, I I just really wanted to cry, but I didn't cry. I didn't feel like (laughs) I had an experience. My body was just shaking. Okay, well, that's what you needed today. (laughs) You didn't need to cry. So it's it's really about everybody has expectations and judgments Mm -hmm. all through your life. And you're always judging the current moment against how you want it to be or how you wanted it to be. And once you can start to 
get the hang of this kind of different way of being in life, like surrender and trust, and start to bring it back into your everyday life, people report just they have a deeper experience of their entire life because they can really just appreciate everything that's happening in the current moment and not be in their head, which is always kind of running in the past or the future. Right. Amazing. Yeah. So ultimately, it, letting it go. That is yeah, the yeah, takeaway today. Of, we have to let go of expectations. Of whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's so hard. But yes, it's great. It's a good practice. It's all about practice, right? So yeah, I appreciate that. And, and, and before you had spoken about like being a breathwork teacher. Mm. And really, there's, I see it from a different perspective because I'm not teaching people anything. It's like I'm facilitating them to drop into their own power. And so that's what we call a breathwork facilitator versus breathwork teacher. Yes. And so it's not like I'm the guru or I'm like, you know, you know, up here and they're down here and I'm mm -hmm. enlightening them or something. You know, my job is to hold a safe space for them to do their inner work and find their own power and to be able to access their own power and bring it into their own lives and find their own purpose in life. And as a result of that, I call it a modality of radical self-empowerment. When we do surveys with people, those are who like breathe with us regularly those are exactly the results they get. And like, for instance, 84% get relief from trauma. If that's one of their issues. 89% anxiety, 67% depression, 75% feel like in their everyday life, they get better access to source or their inner wisdom. So all these kinds of things like they start to get, and that's because, you know, it's like I'm the facilitator and not the teacher. And during the breath work, you know, there's many breath works out there that are what I call directive where the facilitator says stuff during the thing, or the music, for instance, has words to it that pull the experience. And in neurodynamic breathwork, it's non-directive. It's entirely directed by a person's own inner guiding intelligence. And that's what allows them to start to strengthen that neural pathway and bring this ability to connect back into their everyday life. It works on a very different principle than most breathworks out there do. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I appreciate that about your work is moving away from that guru mentality. You know, we're all here doing the work together and it's being a guide, right? Like you said, the facilitator holding a space. I think that giving that you were talking about yeah. at the beginning, right? That's so beautiful. Such a gift. So I'm really excited for us, I'm, you know, to do a little taste. I'm like, I'm ready. Give me the session, Michael. No. <laughs> so I know <laughs> you're going to give us a little taste now, but before we do that, I wonder, are there any contraindications that we should be aware of? Is there anybody that this might not be for just so anyone listening, you know, might know? Yes, there's a few contraindications, and they're primarily physiological, because like many times in breath work, especially people move around a lot sometimes, you know, where they might pound a pillow to release anger and emotions come up. And so it can, you know, like have your heart beat faster and put, you know, more kind of stress in your cardio system. So for instance, uncontrolled high blood pressure would be a potential contraindication cardiovascular disease, like a prior heart attack, if there's still, you know, limitations on people physically, that type of thing, if they've had an aneurysm, or if two people in their family have had aneurysms, which makes it a, like an immediate family. Mm -hmm. So like that, which makes it a familial thing, a history of strokes or seizures, you know, that kind of thing. And the only other psychological contraindications would be there's a couple, like, for instance, diagnoses, like mm -hmm. if you've had a diagnosis, of schizophrenia. That would be a contraindication because people with schizophrenia have a hard time kind of seeing what's real and what's not real. And you go into these breathwork sessions and many times see these visions and that makes it much worse. So, right, right, right. Okay. And the second thing is bipolar disorder. 
because okay. many like with the uh, faster, deeper breathing that can potentially trigger a manic episode. Okay. Yeah, those are the major ones. You know, yeah. There's a couple little minor ones. No, but, but that makes total sense. So, cause I know a lot of people listening might have some of these diagnoses, just out of curiosity, would they then benefit from a one-to-one approach just by any chance? You know, I imagine there's a lot of, you know, a lot of these mental illnesses might derive from trauma. I wonder, I maybe not, but that could be something related there. Well, there's two things. First of all, there's very little that's an absolute contraindication. So mm-hmm. I would want to connect with them first and see if it's really absolutely, okay. you know, this is not right for you. And even if it is like there might be a more gentle form of breath work they could do that's shorter, you know, versus this is really designed for deep dives with the like the, the music's very evocative with the breathing technique and stuff like that. So they could potentially find something that was a more gentle experience or there's, you know, other modalities they can use too. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Great. Thank you so much for clarifying that. That's helpful. Just so we all know. So if you're listening, Michael will guide us, facilitate a little breath journey. Should be about what, 10 minutes, do you think? How The how- actual breathing time will be about maybe seven minutes, eight minutes. Okay. Brilliant. And and we'll just uh, start with, I mean, I have to explain like what the breathing technique is and that type of thing. Yes. And then at the end, just do a little short little meditation to bring people back. So. Great. Amazing. So I will be doing this all with you. <laughs> I will be listening to this and joining you all and we'll join back after this this little taste yeah okay awesome and so this is really just a very very small taster session and the purpose is not to drop you into a deep experience like that's the hour thing and then we have support afterwards like in the regular sessions there are two hours and the two hours is like 30 minutes of an intro talk just to go through all the things that could happen so people are totally prepared one hour of music and then a sharing circle at the end where people can connect in this amazing safe space So this is just a a teeny little taster just to give people a sense of, you know, what can it be like just to even just for a few minutes, just work with the breath, basically. Yeah. So, okay. So breathing techniques, what are we going to do here? So the basic concept is, is that you want to, at least at the beginning, start with taking full deep breaths and in and out through the mouth versus the nose. And So you want to be able to move a lot of air. That's part of what supports you in kind of diving into the process. And you can just breathe at normal pace. It's totally fine. Or a little slower, a little faster. Like the pace isn't as important as you just want to take full deep breaths. And you want to breathe in a way where there's no gaps, where you're always breathing in or breathing out, just creating a wonderful circle of breath. So it's kind of like where your belly moves out when you breathe in. You're breathing into the bottom of your lungs, but you want to keep your body relaxed. No stress, no tension. (sighs) Just a full, deep, but enjoyable breath. And you want to start with that technique. But after the first couple minutes, if your body wants to switch and kind of slow down a little bit or, you know, whatever it wants to do is fine. And so if it feels like after two, three minutes, your body just kind of wants to take over, it's fine. And many times, like the last couple minutes is very gentle. You know, your body may switch to just normal breathing you know, in and out through the nose and just gently breathe. So you want to just trust that and go with that. So you just want to start with this deeper breathing. And again, just at normal pace is totally fine. You don't have to, it's not like this, it's more like like that. And again, if your body just wants to breathe a little slower, a little faster than normal, if that's what it wants, it's totally fine either way. And then at the end, you know, I'll just give you a moment just to kind of gently, you know, regroup and reground. And you just want to let go 
whatever wants to happen, let it happen. Just open up, just surrender. Don't have any intentions. Don't have any expectations. And just breathe. And just be in this place of curiosity and openness to see what happens. And afterwards, just notice, does your body feel any different? Does it feel more relaxed? And and we'll be complete. So let me get the music share ready. And so you want to be comfortable. You can do this either sitting up or laying down. You want to listen to it in whatever way you can get good sound quality. If you have a headset, you know, that's ideal. You can also use, you know, nice external speakers on your computer, or some people just use earbuds if you don't have a headset, but in whatever way you can get the best music quality. So, okay, so we're ready to go. And this will be a closed eye experience. So if you want to grab an eye mask, that's fine. Or you can just close your eyes. Either way is okay. Okay, so at this point, close your eyes or put your eye mask on. And letting go of what happened earlier today. Or what you're going to be doing later today. Just bring your attention into your body, into the now. Being with yourself in a very gentle way. Scanning your body and seeing if there's any tension in your body that you can release in this moment. Maybe taking a couple of deep breaths and just sending that breath to any place that's tense. Being as relaxed as you can. And then bringing your attention to the breath. And starting to deepen the breath. Starting to take full deep breaths in and out through the mouth. Breathing fully and deeply, deeply and fully, fully and deeply. But having it be an enjoyable breath, no stress or tension in your shoulders. <sighs> Just taking in the breath of life, breathing fully and deeply, deeply and fully, fully and deeply. And now breathing in a way where there are no gaps. We're always breathing in or breathing out. Just creating a wonderful circle of breath. Breathing fully and deeply. Deeply and fully. And just finding a rhythm that feels comfortable for you. Breathing fully and deeply, deeply and fully, and letting go of any intentions or expectations, and being open to whatever wants to happen. Staying with the breath, staying with the breath. And in a moment, the music will begin, and have a wonderful journey.
And now, if you haven't done so already, slowing down the breath to a normal rhythm, breathing gently now, taking a few moments to be in a place of stillness and presence with yourself. Staying connected to your inner world. Noticing how your body feels. Some people like to take their hands and put them on their heart for a few moments. Just feeling the breath. Taking a few moments to send yourself love and compassion. Always very critical. So just taking this time to just be with yourself in a tender way. And when you're ready, you can just gently open your eyes and notice, does your body feel any different? Just from a few minutes of breathing, is there any difference in your presence and how you feel? That was our teeny little taster. <laughs> Thank you so much for that, Michael. Oh my gosh, I could... Yeah, I could definitely tell my parasympathetic nervous system is re-engaged. <laughs> It's interesting because I was yawning quite a lot at the very beginning. And as I, which I imagine it's this, okay, my body is telling me, oh, I need a little rest here. Just taking this time for myself. So I really, truly appreciated that. Gave me that reset. I was on my toes all day, you know, doing client work and all that. So it was great to just come back, ground down. And my experience was, it felt, because of course it was just a little taster. So I imagine I was like just about, I'm sure I was just about to drop into somewhere, but it almost felt like a similar state to that when I meditate, which was kind of, it just brought me back and it actually brought up, I'm so mindful. I'm so grateful and mindful of your time that you're sharing with us, but it did bring up one question. Actually, yeah, one, two questions. First is the music, because I think the choice was so I really greatly appreciated that music. Like you said, there were no words. And I wonder what role that plays. But also with the breathing, because you mentioned breathing in and out of the mouth. And so I know through pranayama, through work with, for example, in yogic breath, it depends. Sometimes it's through the mouth, sometimes it's through the nose. But it was my understanding that when you breathe in and out through the nose, it stimulates the sympathetic versus the, sorry, the parasympathetic versus the sympathetic nervous system. So it really calms versus the mouth might be activating, which in this case it wasn't, but I'm just curious because I, I guess I picked that up somewhere. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then I actually naturally, once I dropped in, the rhythm just changed on its own. It was no longer so quick. And it actually did start coming out from my nose versus my mouth intuitively. I didn't yeah. try to do that. So I wonder if you can speak to just the breath a little bit in terms of why it's from the mouth and then the music. Sure. We start with mouth breathing because moving a lot of air in your body creates important physiological changes that support 
your ego mind kind of quieting down and dropping into the process. And also like breathing through the nose creates different internal changes in your brain than breathing through the mouth. So breathing through the mouth at the beginning is supportive of doing a much quicker dive into the process. Okay. And just to give you like a little 30 second summary of probably about a 30 minute thing, as you move more air through your system, it makes your blood more alkaline. And what that does is it creates certain changes in your brain where some areas show more activity, electrical activity based on MRI studies, some shows less. And one of the areas that shows less is what they call the default mode network or DMN. Part of that is the frontal cortex, which is where the concepts of ego and self reside. And so when that area is quieted down, it makes it much easier to dive in and kind of supports just quieting the ego mind and going into that deeper part of your psyche. So you want to move a lot of air at the beginning. It supports, it, it, there's much more to it than that, but that's just like it all. Oh, great. A great little snippet there. I'm like, ooh, we'll have to have another conversation. <laughs> that's great. Um, Very helpful. Oh, so, But as the session goes on, again, it's in the same way that we trust the experience to our inner guidance. We trust the breathing technique to the body. So it's more about tuning into how does the body want to breathe at each given moment. And for most people in a 60-minute session, their breath will look different and switch and change maybe four or five or six times. It's very rare that someone stays with that full deep breathing all the way through the session, maybe a few percentage of the time. And again, it's another practice in learning to surrender, but this time to your body and tuning into how does my body want to breathe in this moment? And how does my body want to breathe in this moment? So we start you with the technique, but usually after 10 or 15 minutes, your body just kind of takes over. And, you know, then many times people will switch to breathing in through the nose, out through the mouth, or and many times towards the end when there's very gentle music, they'll go down the normal breathing in and out through the nose just as they're coming back down, you know, in the integration tracks at the end. Right. Okay. So, and, right. and the second part with, with the music itself, there is a science to the music. And part of it is making it non-directive by not having English words. Some of the music we use do have words, but they're like Sanskrit or something that is not something that's going to bring people's mind into like, oh, what does that mean? And what is, you know, like, like mm -hmm. that kind of thing. And it's also structured in a way where there's certain segments of the one hour set that have various purposes, but the purpose is to allow people to dive deeper into whatever process they need to go to, not to like kind of create the experience. So for instance, the first part has like that first track that I started the first two minutes. That's an example of a first track that you'd use just to kind of a welcome track has a little bit of a beat to it. And then there'll be more like maybe tribal trance music. And then it gets to this emotional peak. And then on the other side comes down to more gentle, what I call heart music, and then dives into in like meditation style music and then integrative music. But the music's evocative, it's strong, and it does support people in if they need to go to a certain place and allowing them to do like a, a deeper dive. Yeah. Yeah. I um, imagine that it's like the whole sound healing, right? So it's almost like you're weaving sound healing, that modality within the breath. Because yes. I imagine the frequencies in which are being emitted in different states bring you activate different brain waves. Perhaps a hypothesis I'm making, yeah. but it, but I, I imagine it's something at that level, perhaps, because it, it, it felt like that. It almost helped mm -hmm. me, like you said, that intro helped me go in deeper. It's almost like that those brainwaves were just coming down to different frequency there. And we don't choose tracks because of frequencies or whatever. It's more about the 
type of the music, whether it has like a good beat behind it or whether it has more of an emotional energy to it and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. But it could very well be that what you're saying is true, but that's not how we actually Maybe. choose. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll, we'll explore that another time because we'll be speaking about sound healing. But it's interesting because you're absolutely right. I think when it was even softer, the second track, then it allowed my subconscious, you know, to explore. It was more exploratory. It's almost like a soundtrack to what I needed to move through. So it was quite interesting. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because throughout history, almost every spiritual practice has used sound in some way. And like, for instance, in shamanism, they use rattling and drumming. Mm-hmm. In Buddhist meditation, you watch, and, or breath, you know, sound like, and breath. Those are like the two kind ten. of critical yeah. components. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, or like in Buddhism, you watch the breath while you're doing it. So, and those are the two components that basically are combined in this very interesting way in breath work to create the experience. And even they've done studies in psychedelic work where they show that the music allows people to dive more into these kind of mystical experiences and that type of thing that people sometimes go to in breath work. So it is an important part of the structure of the actual music. Yeah, I could feel that. I could feel that. And I I recall you mentioning that when on our first conversation. So I really... It was so helpful to have a practical experience. I hope you all liked it as much as I did. (laughs) You can come back to this at any time. And of course, you have a lot more resources on your website as well and access. You even have a membership that people can join. Would you like to just speak a bit about what you offer and where we can find you? Sure. And first of all, for those people who are interested in the music, the music that I use was by a composer named Byron Metcalf. Mm. who is amazing for breathwork. Great. I'm going to make another so that. Much of his stuff, yeah. So it's great. B-Y-R-O-N Metcalf. He has like a band camp site and all kinds of stuff, but he has hundreds of tracks that are great for breathwork. So I use them a lot. And so in terms of what I offer people, first of all, the website is breathworkonline.com. So it's B-R-E-A-T-H-W-O-R-K online.com. And Again, you know, going under like my goal of allowing whoever wants to experience breathwork to allow it, I mean, to be able to experience it, we offer the first breathwork sessions always free. And then if people resonate with it, if they feel they get benefit, then we let them do a whole month of breathwork for free, you know, with a trial subscription. And we do 20 live sessions every month, at least 20 to 25 sessions. So almost every day, you can choose the ones that work for you. People are in different time zones. Some are in the morning, some are in the afternoon, some are on weekends. And they're always not only live, but there's a facilitator there for support if needed. And they always follow the same structure, you know, of intro talk, one hour breath work, then sharing circle at the end. And I wanted to allow people to really experience what is it like to be able to do breath work as a practice and what additional benefits, you know, how can you take it? to the next level of really bringing it back into your life and starting to use the skill sets that make breath work work in your life. Because it's kind of like you bring your breath into your life into breath work and then your breath work back into your life. It's Mm -hmm. kind of like a circle. So many times the things that come up in breath work are life issues. And then you can look at it and actually work on the stuff in your life once it comes up in your breath work. And many times people will actually get downloads of issues that they've had in their life that they've been struggling with. And all of a sudden, you know, when they connect, get through this ego mind stuff and connect to this like inner wisdom, the answer just becomes totally clear. 
Yeah, I feel like once you start doing this work, you can't stop. You just want to keep doing it, right? Because you uncover so much. And and I think it's such a direct way to get to the areas in which we're stuck, right? It's really visiting the deeper parts of deeper layers. I'm a huge fan of talk therapy. I think it can be very, there's a place for it. At the same time, I think that this type of work really dives deep and you really have there's the body element to it the embodied piece which i think is often missing and if we think of you know trauma-informed care and there's so much research on this we know we store so much in the body so i am so glad that you came on you were able to share your wisdom with us michael today it's been immensely insightful and just so inspiring to hear your story and what brought you here and the vast community that you now have online is incredible. So please do go join the community. You know, you have nothing to lose if you know just checking it out, trying some free trials. You even have a month for free. My goodness, so generous of you. <laughs> you really are giving. So I think that's so incredible. And there's so much, you know, work. And, you know, at the end of the day, healing is an ongoing journey. There's never an endpoint destination. It's not like, great, I'm healed. I get my badge and that's life, right? It's this ongoing journey. And so we're faced with different challenges. So I imagine and this is something we want to actually keep going back to. I know I have my hand raised. I always come back to these modalities because it's something that you, as you move through life, you need to move these things through you and embody them, integrate, and then keep moving. So yeah, <laughs> thank you so much. And can I end with one comment? Yes, absolutely. Sure. Awesome. So, you know, sometimes people say, well, what kind of person do I need to be to do breath work? Mm. And the important thing is that whenever you open yourself up to a new experience in life where you don't know what's going to happen. It's like the brain is not so happy about that. (laughs) We like certainty. (laughs) Exactly. And there's a reason it was designed for that because it was designed to keep you alive so you could have kids. So, you know, human beings could keep the race going and Mm -hmm. it doesn't really care if you're happy or or fulfilled as long as you stay alive long enough to have kids. That was through evolution. So anytime there's something new or there's something that you don't know what's going to happen, your brain is going to kick in like a little bit of fear or anxiety, mm-hmm. well, what's going to happen? And so it takes courage. It takes courage to open yourself up to say, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm still going to jump in and see what, you know, just open myself up. Mm-hmm. So it's really for people who are kind of what I call the explorers of this a journey we call life and who want more than just kind of, you know, watching TV, doing their work so they can kind of, you know, do something on the weekends and who are interested in seeing what's really happening. You know, is there more to me? And, you know, what more is there? What more can I bring to the world? What more can I find out about myself? How can I get to know myself better? Mm, So leaning into that curiosity, I think that's so, so Mm. important. And I think the ones listening are definitely going to be the explorers. So I'm sure they're ready to dive in. But absolutely, fear is something that comes up, shows up for all of us. It's just, what do we do with that fear? I like to say, grab it by its hand and walk with rather than Mm. kind of move away from, of course, sometimes fear is helpful, but in many cases, it's that just immediate autopilot that kind of kicks in. So it's being able to lean into, hmm, what if I try something different? You know, am I, yeah, just keen, curiosity. And there's really two types of fear. One is like, where you actually have a physical thing. Like if you're walking across the street, you see a car coming, the fear kicks in. We kind of need that. (laughs) Yeah, you need that. But most fear is psychological fear. And it's just like a protective mechanism. And many times when fear comes up, that's exactly the road you need to travel in order to take the next step in your personal development. That's it. It's more like a welcoming beacon than a stop sign. You know, once you start to really do this work, you see it in a totally different way. 
Yes. And they say that the physiology of fear is akin to the physiology is the same as the physiology of excitement. So it's just about perception. So we have to just flip it on its head and get really excited to try something new. (laughs) Exactly. That's how I live my life. (laughs) Yes. Amazing. Well, you know, that's it. Lean into that curiosity. Check out Michael's work. It is immensely helpful, very therapeutic, something you can keep coming back to. Breathwork, it is a beautiful embodiment practice, which you know I preach all the time, is coming back to the body. We live so often from a top-down approach, really using our mind for everything. And it's like, whew, how can you just push that away for a second and really drop into the body because it holds so much wisdom. And oftentimes your body knows before your mind does. So it's really strengthening that trust muscle with the body wisdom. So I hope you enjoyed this episode and thank you so much, Michael. Thank you. Thank you for having me as a guest. Thank you so much for tuning in to Align with Ari. Now, if you like this episode, subscribe, rate, review if you feel called, and please share with a soul sister you think would love to hear it. And if you're looking for more support, head to arianarodriguez.com where you'll find some free resources, a quiz, my embodiment toolkit, and coaching services for a more personalized approach. You can also find me at Align with Ari on YouTube or align.with.ari on Instagram. Thanks so much for listening and catch you soon.